Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Remote Control, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, I'm talking with Ted Danson about his brilliant comedy, The Good Place. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome Ted Danson. As I slowly put my feet up on the table. My studio is your studio. Make yourself at home. I, I just did. Thank you so much. Actually, I feel more at home. I do this at my inappropriate company. I, I love having a dining room table that is so informal that after you've eaten, you can put your feet on the table and kick back. That's my kind of table. That sounds yeah. lovely. Yeah. So when am I coming over for dinner? Anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Wear nice shoes because they'll be on the table. Exactly. I've been warned. <laughs> so let's talk about The Good Place. How did yeah. you, Was it season two? How did it compare for you to season one? Was it easier or harder? Easier. Why was it easier? Because it was this, uh, a, a, the format for the humor was more recognizable to me because the year, first year, you never could see my character in a private moment. I, I always appeared, interacted with somebody, and then disappeared. Because if you went back to my my digs, you'd see me twirling my demon mustache, <laughs> you know, with glee, because I was the bad guy posing as a good guy. So once that was revealed to the audience, then the second season was fun because you got to see what was going on behind the curtain, which is, a, you know, it's an easier joke to play as well, you know, when you're, when you're, when the ruse is clear to everybody, the, the humor is easier. It seemed like you were having more fun with the season too. Well, it's just, it was like carte blanche. You're a demon who, you know, who's hiding the fact that you're a demon torturing these four humans. That's, that's <laughs> like, you can do no wrong. You and you were in on that from the beginning. You always yes. knew what the twist was going to be. Were yes. you playing towards that? Were you playing towards what the reveal was going to be? No, no. I think you know. I'm, my worry, Mike Shore, who created the show and is brilliant, truly. I mean, he's just. I don't know if you've had the. I have. I just think he's one of the brightest people I've ever met. I love what he's doing with our show. I love that it's about something. It's about what it means to be a good person but it's wrapped in this kind of nine-year-old boy's sense of humor, and it has visual magic. So the medicine goes down delightfully, I think. But we are talking about ethics. We are talking right. about there are consequences in life. What was your question before I went on my little pitch of what the show is? Mike sure told me... Uh, yeah, I was looking for something to do, and I met Mike, and 
he and uh, one of his writing partners had another project that didn't quite ring a bell to me, and then, and it was going to be run by somebody else other than Mike. And then we said, do you happen to have anything else? And he came back and pitched this. And my manager and I, Keith Addis, just sat there and listened literally for 45 minutes as he ran through what was on his mind and why he wanted to do the show and and the whole arc, meaning, you know, you are actually a demon, you know, who's found a better way to torture humans. Um, Not a pitch you hear every day. No, no, but it was so... And he didn't know all the answers, and he didn't try to make it more than... He just literally shared what was on his brain. And I have... I, I say this a lot, but it's true. There was a period in... I don't know, 15 years ago, where I just... I realized my job as an actor, as far as finding work, is to find the most creative person in the room and then ask very nicely if I can be part of it. Having things developed for you, mm -mm. you know, go find some writer who has this huge, uh, undeniable thought that he just has to put out in the world and then go be part of that because it's more likely to be authentic. So that was Mike. I was so excited to be part of it. And did you then know what was ahead for season two? Yes. I knew I knew the twist. You know, he didn't have it all blocked out on what would happen uh, in season two. Yeah. And so much, it's first season, a little more difficult for me. Second season was just like delicious. It certainly seemed like you guys were having fun. And then now looking ahead to season three, are there things that you want to see or do you know what's Sorry, ahead? I didn't answer your question. There, were, you, you asked me, I can't exactly remember, but it was about the first season. The challenge for season one for me was how do you make it funny? Right. You know, because I'm really only going to play one note because I don't want anyone to know. So how do you make that funny? And that's when, and we had a conversation about that during the, the first time we met and how, you know, what is, you know, what do I play when I reach for my funny gun? What am I, <laughs> what am I going to shoot? And it became the bump, the over his head middle management guy who was trying to please the human beings with, you know, the most perfect afterlife he could possibly create and then when everything fell apart he would become more and more panicky and so the humor was kind of in this you know Willy Wonka-ish kind of character that was way over his head you wouldn't know why mm -hmm. but you know anyway I rambled not at all so we're going to see a third version then come season three well you you definitely are seeing um, and you saw hints of that in the second that he's becoming more human you know, he does love his humans. He does. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest are, you know, Mike's twists and turns that are too much fun to, to give away. Although I have this horrible reputation for telling everybody everything. You do. I've been yeah. reading a lot about this. It yeah. seems like you gave away the twist of the first season. <laughs> and, and it truly was because I didn't want John Krasinski to think, oh, oh it's, I say it's the office in, the, <laughs> in heaven. Got it. You know, oh, interesting idea. No, it's way more than that. 
So does Mike trust you now with the secrets? Not at all. No, but he not, he knows who I am. Very likable, uh, yeah, but just cannot keep a secret. Will he answer you, though, if you do have questions? What kind of relationship have you established at this point now? With? With Mike. Gosh, it's so strange. Um, I was just thinking about that. Because I'm 70. I, I guess he's, I don't know, what, 40-something? Make guessing, mm-hmm. you know, mid-late 40s or something. And he's like, all writers to me are like daddies in a way. There's, there's a, I always feel a little bit um, like I'm, I don't know what. It's not like I'm the wiser, older person in this relationship. I feel like the, the young actor trying to please or, you know, my older creator. Uh, my relationship with him. You know, everyone on the, in the cast, for some strange reason, have wonderful lives that they go running off to immediately after the the, the end of the workday. Mm-hmm. So Kristen Bell is out the door, <laughs> gone. I run home. Uh, he runs home. He has, you know, a family and kids and and writes, you know, and runs a show. So I don't hang with Mike. Um, we've had a couple of dinners and that's about it. My relationship is I'm in awe of him. I love how effortless and unneurotic um, he is. It is literally just about the joy of creating something that's fun and intelligent. Uh, he's a decent man. He really is a decent man and I mean that in the you know best definition of that word he really cares about and thinks about being ethical mm-hmm. and I can see it in the writing and in the fact that we're doing this the good place I see it in his relationship with his son he's a decent man and I so respect that how rare is that at this time yeah it is it is I mean we're about it we're about consequent we're that Everything you do, your actions have a consequence out there in life, a ripple effect that create either a certain amount of good or a certain amount of bad. And there are consequences. That's a really good thing to put out in the world and do it in a funny way. Are you enjoying how much people have responded to the show? Yes, very much. I particularly love that parents with 10-year-olds come up and say how much they, they as a family are enjoying it. Or that the 10-year-olds will watch it two or three times because Mike Shore has put so many interesting things that you speed by. But mm-hmm. if you go back and look, there are these wonderful little, oh my gosh, did you see that kind of moments. Do you have one of those moments of favorite that you've missed, that people Sorry, have missed? Sorry, my feet. Um, I don't know. I'll think on that. Yeah, sorry. I'm bad with favorite moments. No, I mean, I just um, think one of the things that's so rich about the show is exactly that point, that there's all that buried stuff in there. So I'm just curious to what you respond to about all of the buried hints, the Easter eggs, the points he's trying to make, the inside jokes. I didn't know this phrase, Easter eggs. I heard it in reference to Mike Schur the mm-hmm. first time. He leaves Easter eggs all over the place. He does. The little yeah. presents, says the Jewish yeah. girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, wow. I mean, I don't remember them all, but... You know, the the different names of the yogurt shops or the, you know. Um, sorry. Yeah, I'm bad at that. Mm, just curious. Yeah. You know, how do you find that you strike the right tone with this? That's hard. Uh, 
I, I mean, you're, you're surrounded by incredibly bright people like Drew Goddard is our kind of director in residence. He only directs a couple, but he's he's there to bounce things off of for Mike to talk, and he's on the set a lot. And then we have these amazing directors, and one of the writers from the writers' room is always on the set. So there is a lot of monitoring and controlling. And you will ask, you know, Mike, what's your thought on this? Because it is, I mean, that's what I love about comedy. I think doing drama is fun, but and very relaxing. Comedy's hard because this this point right here surrounded by a million other points is the only funny point Mm -hmm. and everything else around it's not funny so your job is to go so you know tone can be you know too angry no that's 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 not funny too jokey not funny you know it's it's a real balance but I say the words enough times to let them start to play on you and then you if the words are so as thoughtful as Mike's are, they, you can trust that they will play you, you know, if you just say them mm-hmm. to some degree. Given that, do you ever get the opportunity to improv? I mean, obviously you've done that on other shows. Yeah, no, I, um, you know, there there is a room full of, I don't know, 12 writers who are about 20,000 times smarter than I am who've literally thought of every word. So, no, I don't improvise. On this, I'm happy to go to play with Larry David on Curb and, you know, spend the day doing that. But uh, with this, it's really kind of the deliciousness of the words. Which do you prefer? Or is it just a matter of getting to do both? Yeah, getting to do both. Going to work with Larry is just fun and relaxing. And you can go out and drink the night before because you have nothing to try to remember. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's whatever comes up. And your job on Curb is pretty clear. Your job is to corner Larry and push him farther and farther into a corner until he explodes and becomes more Larry. So that's kind of my job. It's like I have a function on that show. How did it feel to get back into that show? It's funny. I had I was somebody asked me that the other day, and I felt bad that I was taking a moment. It, it was wonderful. It felt great to be invited. It was fun to play with all of them. They're just, you know, incredibly fun to be around. Uh, I had just replaced my knee, I think, three or four weeks beforehand. So I think I was. I think it was kind of a self-conscious season for myself, for me, because of that. Uh, what else? Oh, Larry, typical Larry, uh, told me, pitched just just the only thing I knew about it before I showed up for last year was, oh, you and Mary are going to get divorced. <laughs> and it was like, thanks, Larry. <laughs> and you know what else? It was right. It was right after uh, the administration. Uh, was changing, you know, and we. Uh, it was a tender time <laughs> nice for some two. of us. Yes, nice one. It was fun. life felt very fragile, and then to find out that that even in make believe that I was divorcing my wife Mary Steenburgen, who I worship, you know, or worship's a terrible word, love madly, love all of that, upset me. It really did, and it upset a lot of people around us. We'd have friends call and go, 
I know this sounds stupid, but are you guys okay? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so and where I'm, did Larry come up with this? Just to be mean, that's my philosophy. I I think he had I think he wanted it probably was a great way to have Cheryl around but let him be romantically interested in other people but mm-hmm. still keep you know the character Cheryl around. I don't know. I really don't. Can you I ever resent see- it? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> And I'm sure people mm-hmm. thought it was happening in real life. <laughs> Can you ever say no to Larry when he pitches something like that? I suppose one could, but no. You know, in for a penny, in for a pound. You're, you're. You know, he he changed my life, um, career wise. He really did. I think, I think after Becker ended, and uh, I think I tried another show that didn't quite work. Um, and I felt like I'd stayed too long at the half-hour comedy party and that I was no longer funny and that other people were doing it way better than I was. So I was like oh, kind of over that. and didn't. I was kind of at a loss. I didn't quite know what to do. And um, then I did Curb, the first season of Curb, and it was so playful and relaxing and easy that it kind of made me excited about being an actor again that's a little overly dramatic but it's but it's true so i do credit larry for and i think it gave people a different kind of uh, angle on me as an actor so it opened up inadvertently i think it opened up other doors like damages and bored to death and stuff like that you are incredibly versatile, how you can sort of go from comedy to drama. What's your secret? How do you pull that all off? Well, they're pretty... Well, first off, I don't. The writers pull it off. And I... Give yourself some credit. No, you I will, I will but here's my, here's my, here's my uh, definition of a good joke. Something that I could tromp through with cement boots, fuck it up completely, say the words backward, and it's still funny. Now that's good writing. <laughs> Anything short of that... Terrible writing. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. All right. Um, I think it's very similar. It's very close. I mean, I found damages to be funny, but I mean, it was a dark. It was hilarious. Yeah, it, it was, was hilarious. So, but it was definitely drama. Mm-hmm. Fargo. <laughs> definitely funny. You know, I think I'm more interested in. I think I do well. You know, if the writing is in that, you know, the comedy has sadness in it. You know, Sam Malone was an alcoholic. Uh, that appealed to me, you know. And, and so if comedy is rooted in human sadness and drama has, you know, the foibles and the funniness of, you know, humans being at, the, at their stupidest or whatever, uh, that is a very similar line that you play, really. So I'm not being modest. I, I, I do think that it's very close. If it's good, if, if it's a good drama and a good comedy, I think it's pretty close. And I think where we are on TV right now, those lines have gotten blurred. It's not as you know, set yes. in stone as here's your half-hour comedy, here's your yes. hour-long drama. We're yeah. finding everything in the middle. Yeah, and that's wonderful, really, because then... All of a sudden, writers went, wait, wait, I can, I don't have to get a feature and do 90 minutes to tell my story. I can have 10 hours and do a limited series. And because it's limited and I'm a good writer, I will attract 
good actors and directors, all of a sudden you find these brilliant things being done on television, which is kind of exciting. So what do you look for in a part? What makes you say yes to something? Is it the writing? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes, 100%. Yes, it's the writing. But I, I, I am, it's... I don't know if it's lazy, uh, not very bright, uh, what it is, but I, I am. I seem to have in life when I am out of work, the next thing that comes my way is something that I do and is the right thing for me to do. Okay, that's what I said is true. I, I don't have stacks of script for me to choose. I tend to do what's next. But it's also true that I think when I am um, better at my acting, it's because the part is reflective or dealing with something that I'm going through at my age. I don't know what that does to Cheers, but, you know, I... And what does that say about Good Place? Well, you know, I mean, I think it is good to be, you know, I've, I'm, that's kind of me at, in my mentor Period, you know. Um, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. I have to, I, I'm in the middle of it, so I can't quite get a fix on that. But I'm, I remember "Bored to Death" was a great fit for me. I felt because it was, I was at that age. I was 61, 62. Don't leave me out. Let me, I, I still want to be relevant. What are, you, what are you younger people doing? Can I play? Let me be part of you. I still want to be, you know. It had that. I had that in me. Uh, as a man, and that that was that character, you know. And Michael, where does he line up in all of that? I don't know yet. It's too hard because I'm still. I have to learn lines and figure out how to do tomorrow, mm-hmm. and I don't have any perspective on it at all. It feels. I don't. I don't know. This is not answering your question, but it feels like we're doing these morality plays. We're doing this kind of heightened and very important. Uh, is that a category? Am I pretending to be smarter than I am? The morality play. You know, it's it's these little Shakespearean pieces. There, it's very. The level is of dialogue is very elevated. It's it's very stylized. Um, so all of my focus right now is figuring out the tone like you said and and inhabiting this very elevated style of talking um, I haven't sorry I know there's, there'll be an answer to that question that I, I will come up with I'll about five years from now but right <laughs> now I, yeah, I was, hey I figured it out exactly <laughs> I am we'll a get demon. back together around this table <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably be the same table. <laughs> Have you learned anything from the experience of doing the show? I mean, I, I can think of funny, silly things, but um, I mean, you, I, uh, I'm a nice guy. I have a nice guy reputation. I sometimes think I'm, you know, I'm an okay actor, but really nice to be around. So people hire me. I, I see a little bit of that facade of nice guy. You know, an example is, you know, when you leave a tip and we all, 
in this business have to leave celebrity tips because if you don't, <laughs> you're forever remembered and forever talked about around the campfire that night, uh, and rightfully so because you know you should tip well, and so I tip well. I think Mary would divorce me <laughs> if I didn't because she was a waitress for seven years in New York. So rightfully so, you tip well. But I always kind of, I'm that guy, if it's a barista, that I'll leave a generous tip. But I wait till they turn around with my coffee and see that I'm putting this very generous tip. You know, which is a total karmic wash because mm -hmm. you're doing it for show, not <laughs> not for the, good, the decency of the moment. You know, it's the perfect intersection of a curb moment yeah, and a good is, place moment. It is. That's exactly where it exists. Yeah, and so it's not so much that I'm learning to be a better person. I think I'm learning what a rotten person I am. <laughs> you know, that I have all of these uh, faux. Uh, good things about me that are kind of veneer and if you scratch too deep it's like uh oh <laughs> I think we all do yeah no absolutely and that's part of what the show's about yes and as long as you have a sense of humor and don't take yourself too seriously I, we're not going to talk politics but oh my dear lord what a challenge this what a challenge is. what a challenge these are tough times yeah I will just, not to change the subject, but I was just watching The Fourth Estate, this great documentary that Showtime did inside the New York Times, and they were looking back over the course of the year, and it's just, you start to get numb because you forget all the things that have happened. I know. And it was just shocking to me. Yep. What we've been through and sort of, every day another story replaces it, so. Yep. But I digress. Um, talk about the chemistry on this set. It feels like everyone's getting along really well. The, the chemistry is really gelled. Yeah. How important is that to the success of a show for you? I think very important. I mean, as far as showing up and going to work. Um, and it probably has a lot to do with whether it turns out well or not. But Mike Shore higher. Uh, the chemistry is brilliant. And I think last year we all bonded even more. Because the first season we were all in our separate units. I was pretending to be somebody else. Everyone else was trying to figure out how this worked. Um, and so there was a separateness even to all of us, in a way, uh, to our characters. And then last year we all became, all of our characters became over time buddies, you know, our people who wanted to be together. So as a group, we became even a bigger and better group. But as far as the people and the personalities, there isn't a person there that isn't just delightful to be around. We're all typecast, you know. We're all, but we all we all have a great sense of humor about who we are. So that you know, and everyone has that life is too short motto to be anything except decent, you know, to have fun. You know that we're there. To, we are so lucky. And I think everybody knows that, and as everybody is grateful to be there, which I love that quality, you know, to go to work with a crew that feels the exact same way, the actors feel that way, and it really does start at the top. Mike Shore is, um, truly believes in life's too short to not hire people you want to spend time with. And we have this great, um, I don't know what he is, he's kind of the Wizard of Oz, uh, Morgan Sackett is kind of our he's also a director but he's our producer, executive producer something, he, he makes the wheels go round um, and so the crew that he has hired and assembled is just brilliant and uh, fun to be, I mean so talented 
Um, and everyone loves the show. Everyone really enjoys the idea of what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, coming to work is a, a great joy. And then we all leap in our cars and run home as fast as we can because everyone has a life that they love as much. So that's, it's really an unneurotic set, which is nice to be around. How often do you ha- have you had that in your career? Almost always. <laughs> to, to really, I mean, I, 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 am, I am a Pollyanna, but it also happens to be true. I've been blessed. I've been around. I don't work for assholes for some reason. I, I don't think assholes want to work with me. So I tend to have, you know, been around great writing, which attracts, I think, usually really interesting people. Is there something on your bucket list, something you haven't done yet that you still want to do? No, no. Um, I don't. I, uh, I mean, yes, but I don't know what it is. I don't have a, I don't know if it's superstition or what, but it's like that, that, that means I'd have to take stock of where I am and, and my position in the arc of life. And I have no desire to do that. (laughs) You know, I have had the, do you know my wife, Mary Steenburgen? She uh, just is coming out in a film called Book Club, and it opens in a couple of weeks or a week. And it's really wonderful. I saw it. But besides being funny, just the fact of those four women who are truly magnificent is, I think, younger women will love going to see it because what it says is you don't have a shelf life. Mm -hmm. You can be 80 and go a million miles an hour and be energized and sexy and all of these things you you know I think we have held that there's a you know you're supposed to kind of drift off at a certain age and these these women are so amazing and it had an impact on me because I think at age 70 I started to think well I'll start to contract a little I'll plan for the well that wouldn't be smart to do because I need to save for you know and it was like after meeting Jane it was like the hell with that stop on the gas pedal and go who cares why not just keep being creative keep being kind keep (laughs) reaching out in the world and staying engaged and don't slow down that's silly they're truly amazing women. It sounds fantastic. I can't yeah. wait to see it. Yeah. And look, it certainly feels like you're getting plenty of those opportunities between Curb and Good Place, and I'm sure there are more I am. I'm coming. very lucky. I'm very lucky. Yeah. So I, so I don't have a bucket list. Okay. I, you know, it's like I can't wait to see what's next. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have a character that I'm dying to play. Uh, I just want the ability to keep bumping into creative writers who can reflect what it's like for me to be my, for me to be me at my age. Then I would love to, you know, explore that in some dramatic or comedic form. Does that make sense? So, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah. So season two of Good Place ended on a bit of a mystery. We're not sure. I don't know if you've been reading online, but there seems to be some debate about whether it was a real or a simulation. Do you have a theory on it? On whether... Wait, where did we end? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm confused on exactly... Do you remember how we ended? What was it? Well, you, oh, you got oh, to revisit oh, Sam Malone as bartender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, no, we're down. They're down on... 
they're down on Earth. They're down on Earth. And uh, is that real? And the bad guys are hot after Janet and my. Yes. Well, I don't want to ruin anybody's, you know, hypothesis. But no, that you you can believe what you've seen to date. Interesting. Yeah. Do you know what's coming in season three? Basically, but. Just like on Curb, where Larry tells me nothing, I do better knowing <laughs> knowing very little. I used to love going at da- on damages. Uh, the writing was was brilliant and last minute, so you would be playing scenes that you know that came after a scene that hadn't been written yet. So you never really knew, but it was much better for me because I'd play a scene where I was. I'm making this up. I don't think it literally happened, but it'd be, I'd be patting some young boy on his head saying, what an amazing kid you are. Wow, how wonderful. You're great. He, you know, and then I'd play the scene a week later that I didn't know existed where I killed his mother. So I came across as a total psychotic <laughs> sociopath. But if I had known as an actor... What was coming? I would have telegraphed it and done all the bad acting traps and been kind of probably not as good. So anyway, I like not knowing. I'm happy to not quite know what's coming. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. It has been fun talking to you. I always, the trouble with podcasts are you go, just, it feels like, just keep talking. Just, just keep, keep talking. talking. Keep talking. Anyway, thank you. It was fun talking to you. Thanks. We can't wait to see what's in store. We should trade questions next time. That'd be great. So I get to ask you a question and then you ask. I'd be happy to. Okay. Sorry. Coming soon. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. I'll be talking to Juliana Margulies, who's making her return to television in Dietland on AMC. See you next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.